Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be in your part of the world, you are once again on with The Alignment Show. Glad to have you on this week. I'm Don King, your host, and we have a repeat guest with us this week. We're going to be introducing her in just a second. Uh, as we get started, I want to remind you that um, uh We've got something going on with the Confidence Cultivator, the Alignment Show, all of these things that come together. We've been talking for weeks about the release of the book, The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why. Well, it is going to be live-wide on October 29th. It's up for pre-order now. And so if you would like some information about that, you can scan this code, go to The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why, and learn more about it. Uh, as I said, uh, pre-order on the major retailers. If you just find those easier, you can actually get the book right now directly from my site. But we've been talking about that book for weeks. I just want to get back to a guest that is uh, special in a lot of ways. We kicked off the alignment show months ago on the very first episode, Lisa Wilbur and, and uh, Jeff of Jeff West. Sorry, folks. It's been one of those mornings. They were the first guests. And so we are glad today to have back with us Lisa Wilbur. Once again, Lisa, I'm going to go ahead and bring you on and we'll give you a proper introduction in just a moment. But welcome once again. Thank to the you. Show. Yeah, glad to have you this week. Now, when we had you on before, it was mainly because of the book that you and Jeff co-authored. And we'll talk about that a little bit today, but we, we want to focus on something else uh, for you this week. Uh, let me just tell folks listening a little bit about Lisa Wilbur. She is a top direct sales leader with over 40 years of experience in the industry. I think it's interesting that you must have started as a seven-year-old. She's been in the top 10 money earners in her core direct sales company for two decades. She is an author. Also a proud member of the Go-Givers Success Alliance, and that's where I met her. And so, Lisa, we wanted to bring you on today, not only just to, you know, mention about the book. We're, we're, the book is one of those things you do, but you've got so many other projects that you're engaged with. Here on the Alignment Show, we tend to go a lot into people's origin stories because you had to take some chances to do the things that you do. It hasn't always been that you were in the top 10 of whatever. <laughs> Accurate? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we were talking before we started recording about um, some other people in our lives and how you have to make some accommodations and, and uh, sometimes all of those things that make you not take chances. But in order to do what you do now, you had to take some chances. So, Tell us a little bit about what led you. So I think I think most everybody thinks about, oh, I'd like to start my own business. I'd like to write a book. I, but they don't take the chance. What enabled you or led you to take the leap, 
Is that too big a question? Oh, no, I was forced into this, really. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, it was a recession in the late 80s. I was a secretary, which is a safe job for me. I, I knew how to do that. And uh, my whole department got laid off. And Mm. I originally did go next door in that company and didn't like my coworkers. And I went home and my husband at the time, I was snot bubble crying, which ain't pretty. That is not pretty, right? And he said, why don't you do more with that Avon thing you've been playing with? And at the time I thought, Oh, you simple man. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anybody making full-time money doing direct sales, not just Avon, any direct sales. So um, I, I originally thought that was the craziest idea I'd ever heard, but then I couldn't get anything else. So I mm. thought, well, the only way that's really going to work is if I decide that's going to work. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep going at it every day until I make enough to replace that pay. Now, it took me a while. And actually, partway through, I caved in and got a job at a bank for six weeks. But um, the reason it lasts for six weeks is because the boss yelled at me. And and I may have been broke as a church mouse, but I wasn't going to take that kind of disrespect. So I said, I'm not sure who you think you are or who you think I am, but (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and let you yell at me. I quit. So um, that and then from that moment on, I said, you know, the freedom of working for myself is something that I hold at such high value that I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm just going to keep at it every day until I make sure I don't have to work for someone else again. Uh, At that point, I didn't realize that that was the best choice because I wanted to have a lot of money. I didn't want to be broke as a church mouse my whole life. Hmm. With uh, direct sales, I got to decide how much I earned. And back then, I still thought a regular salary was uh, more money. That meant more money. But I didn't realize that puts a ceiling on how much money I can earn when someone else decides. Um, On commission or when you work for yourself and can generate money a bunch of different ways, Mm -hmm. no limit. I could earn whatever I wanted. So it all was based on how smart I could be about it, how many ways I could earn money, and how much I stayed after it. So once I finally figured that kind of stuff out, <laughs> now now still my life revolves around, you know, what can I do to add value so that I could earn more money and mm-hmm. in in the amount of time that I have. So I it's it's all like a little chess game. <laughs> and it's it's awesome. I haven't worked for somebody else since then. So that's been roughly 40 years. Am I am I getting the time? <laughs> right? Yeah, I was obviously two, a wee child at some <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. let, me, let me explore a little bit about this. You were already doing Avon. You just weren't doing it full time. How, right. how, how, how long up, had you been doing it part time? I signed up to sell Avon in 81 when I was married to my first husband on Guam. I was a Navy wife. I saw other uh, uh, wives doing direct sales playing around. And I was just playing around then, selling some. And then when I moved back to the States and, um, uh, let's see, cut his anchor adrift, uh, <laughs> right? Um, I was doing direct sales the whole time, but I, I didn't think of it as full time. Because until husband two said, why don't you do more with that Avon thing you've been playing with? It didn't dawn on me that that was even a possibility. 
I, for me, I'm, I guess I'm a visual person where I need to see someone else having done it. Mm. And that actually has the way I look at stuff has made uh, me the way I am. I want to make sure that's why I do speaking and I do books and I do all kinds of stuff because there are other people like me out there that need to know, yeah, you can do this full time for a whole career mm. and not only make some money, but make some fabulous money. And I know there's other people that need the example. So that's why well, somebody, uh, one of our regular listeners, a good friend of yours and mine, Peg Duchesne, <laughs> she has quoted you on the screen for folks who are getting this audio only. Okay. She's quoting Lisa Wilbur. When you work for yourself, <laughs> there's no limit on your income. Absolutely. But, for eight years or so, seven, eight years, you were doing it part-time. You've even used the word play with. Oh, okay. yeah. So yeah. one of the things I'm thinking about is uh, that there's, there's two things related here. There are a lot of people who, if they were in the situation you initially described, i got to have this job. i got to pay the bills or whatever. Boss yelled at me. I don't like that SOB but I've got to put up with it because I've got to pay the bills. Okay. What I'm digging for here is the little thing that, uh, and big thing that made the difference for you to not put up with that. Now, let me put this in a context for our listeners here. You know, one of the people I, I turn to a lot is Joanna Penn, um, uh, independent author and publisher. I've heard her say that there's three motives for writers. There's fame, or fortune or freedom. Now you can go for all three, but generally there's one that stands out as being the primary. Joanna's very clear that freedom matters more to her than fortune. And while I hear you saying that there's no limit to your income, the first thing I heard from you, Lisa, was it was the freedom thing. Is that oh, still yes. the primary driver you think? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, matter of fact, you can ask my mother about this, but when I was growing up, I, I didn't like people telling me what to do. I was one of those kids and I did whatever I wanted to do. It was horrible. I, I feel so bad for her now. <laughs> but, right. I, I got in trouble often and, and in, in a big way. I even ran away from home when I was in high school, um, not to anywhere, to Canada. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right, right. I was I was a troubled kid, probably, just because I was headstrong. And I don't like someone trying to box me in. I, I think it's more like, I don't want someone to under guess my potential. Mm -hmm. I want I'm you know what I mean? I've had people when I was a matter of fact, before I earned my first Avon trip, I was sitting at a table with a lady and I said, um, uh, actually, it was on the first Avon trip. I, I saw them going on stage and I wanted to go on stage so bad. And I turned to the lady next to me, all bravado I was, you know, and I'm like, remember me, because I'm going up there on stage one of these days and we're sitting way in the back. And she said to me, listen, honey, which I don't like it when women call me honey to start with. She said, listen, honey, I've never been on stage. She's never been on stage. No one at this table has been on stage and you ain't going on stage either. And I actually ran to the bathroom and cried for a minute. And then I looked myself in the mirror, the bathroom. And I went, who is she to tell me who I am? And it wasn't even, I think it was maybe two years. I was on stage. I wish I'd remembered her name. I'd have yelled to her. 
from the stage. I'm just, I'm so curious as to whether any of those people at that table (laughs) no one ever remembers that that ever happened, but the person that was, uh, it bothered me. The rest of the people forgot the conversation because I did see one of the other people at the table, and instead of saying what she said, she said, I always knew you'd do great with this. <laughs> right. They all say they all uh, say that after the fact. So I guess uh, what I wanted to say it for is because you don't want to take other people's opinions so serious when someone tries to limit in, in what they're thinking you can do. Just don't even listen to it because you have to think within yourself. I know that I was made for bigger, better things. If they can't see it, that's their that's a personal problem on their part. <laughs> you know, as long as I can see the vision, it doesn't matter. But it's yeah. hard because they're always yakking. You know what I mean? Well, and there's so many, and I don't I don't know what the percentages would be. I've not seen research on this, but so many people, when somebody says, you know, you'll never be on stage, they'll take that, you know, and say, well, you know, that's what everybody tells me. I'm just average every day. And then there are those people for whom the doubt is the motivation. And I just, I have to pause and note this when we were talking about when you started, how long you've been doing this, your partner in crime, uh, Jeff West <laughs> said, Oh, you started in third grade. <laughs> did you, you know, so uh, knowledge of that. he always holds my feet to the fire. When oh, yeah, yeah. But I'll bet even in third grade, you were doing this kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it, it reminds me of, and I use this story quite a bit in, in my own speaking. I knew twins when I was in high school. Uh, so, you know, they grew up in the same house. They looked alike, very similar genetic background, you know, everything, all of their experiences were the same. Uh, one of them uh, became a model husband because their dad kind of ran around on mom um, and, yeah. and uh, always dependable at the job because their dad couldn't hold the job. And all. The, the, the other one became an alcoholic because dad was an alcoholic, couldn't hold the job because dad couldn't hold the job. In other words, not only the same environment, but they would say the same cause. Why do you do what you do? Oh, well, right. because of dad. Okay. Some people would say, I never really stretched because people told me I'd never amount to anything. Other people like you, I had to prove it because (laughs) I wasn't going to. So do you have any sense of, was there some decision you made like as a young child or was it uh, (laughs) encouragement from your family? What is it that made you take something like that as motivation as opposed to barrier? I I tend to think it was examples that I saw in my life. Um, uh, My mother wasn't an entrepreneur, but she worked for uh, a lady named Grace Brock in uh, Orange, Massachusetts, that owned an oil company, and she'd owned some other things. And she was single, uh, older lady, lived by herself in a little lake house, and um, when we were younger, we knew her when we were younger. She let me work in their office uh, for my mother after school. But what was cool about her, she did something, and I didn't remember it until just a couple years ago. But she challenged me and my brother when we were little kids. She probably did it just to keep us busy. Who knows? But she said, I'm going to give each of you $20 at the, at the beginning of the summer. And at the fall at the church bazaar, 
whoever has turned that $20 into the most amount of money wins. Now there wasn't, she didn't even say what we were going to win. It was, it was just like a competition with me and my brother. But um, we, she said, I'm not going to tell you how to make the 20 into more money. You got to figure that out yourself. So like my brother bought uh, paints and a trunk, uh, like a toy trunk and painted a design on it and sold the trunk for more money. Because he added value, added he added value, meaning yeah. to it. Um, I went with my dad, and we uh, bought stuff at auctions in the flea market. And then he used to set up at the flea market all the time. So I had he let me have my own table all summer. So I won because <laughs> I was able to turn uh, more merchandise where he had the one trunk, and it took him a while to do the painting. Mm-hmm. So I was able to turn more merchandise, but mm-hmm. that taught me buy low, sell at retail, the difference between. So I had to learn a bunch of stuff that summer in order to do that, including mm-hmm. having having the nerve to bid when we went to the auction because my dad said, hey, if you're doing this, you're doing this. Yeah. So I had to wait on my own customers. I had to bid at the auction myself. So and that was I, I don't know, we were 10 or less than 10. Mm. That's what I was going to ask, you know, how old were you? And, and so just the concept that I won, not, not what would matter. I win? Yeah, it didn't even matter. <laughs> well, we were a little competitive, I guess, but, yeah, or yeah. at least I was. <laughs> I'm not sure how serious he took it, but, but I took it serious. Yeah, it was just one of those things that looking back, I'm, I, t- I learned so much in that exercise doing that, that she did me a huge favor. And at the time, I, I didn't realize how important that would be, because I think right. I understand wholesale, retail, selling, uh, being personal with a customer, all that stuff, because mm. I had to do that that summer to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and for being a um, uh, and forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology, uh, is it network marketing, multi-level marketing? Yeah. Um, to be successful with that, you're working with other people. You're leveraging more than just your own efforts. So where did you first figure out the power of leveraging like that? Uh, again, I know you did Avon part time for a while, but were you you weren't playing, but people treated it that way. Well, the, they didn't during, have... during, during those seven or eight years, were you just moving product or were you starting to build an organization already? They actually didn't have that option until um, 92, 1992. Ooh, wow. So I, personal sales, I earned trips and everything from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they first came out, it wasn't 92. They had a recruiting thing before that, but it was first generation only, which is who you find. And you just earned a set percent. It didn't matter. But still, because I did that early on, I knew the more people I had and the more I helped them, the more money I would earn. So then when leadership came out, that's what they call their network marketing program. Um, I At first, I, I thought, oh, that's going to be the ruination of the company. Don't you always think that about the biggest opportunity of your life, right? Well, and big changes, big changes. Right. It was a change, right? Yeah. And um, I didn't go for it. I, I dragged my feet for over a year. And then they did away with the other program, which forced my hand and because I was trying to do full time. And then once I, I did research on network marketing, I realized the, o- the only real practical way that I was going to earn six figures, which was one of my early goals, was 
if I could leverage other like team members selling also for me personally to sell my way to six figures, I would have to be a, what, five-armed paper hanger, <laughs> right? Uh, but for to have a team of people, that would be easier. And sure enough, that's that's what it was. But it did take a long time. The build-up to earning the six figures took another, what, three years after that I started. And um, it, it was a long grind, I'll tell you. And what's funny is, looking back now, none of the people I knew back then are still in. Hmm. And... Okay. And I've had this spectacular career where I've earned all of this income. Plus, I've earned over 40 free trips from that company. So, I mean, all this lifestyle was simply because I didn't quit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not smarter. I'm not thinner. I'm not prettier. I'm not a lot of stuff. But I certainly didn't quit. I was persistent. I value of persistence there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put up on on the screen, and again for people who are listening audio only, uh, Kathy Tejanel had commented, "What a great way to learn about being an entrepreneur." She's talking about that ten-year-old experience, uh, but that still that uh, we would add to that what you learned on the ground about forming an organization, about being persistent. It goes back to that 10-year-old thing. Let me play um, devil's advocate here for just a little bit because I know there are a lot of folks listening who may be, I guess we would say, suspicious of network market, marketing, multi-level marketing. There have been abuses out there. I was part of a network marketing um, company. We'll leave out the name right here, <laughs> where some of the people who were making a lot of money, they were making most of their money by selling tapes and programs and coaching to people underneath them. Yep. But then the flip side of that, I'm stepping out of being devil's advocate here for a second. Uh, you look at the average insurance company, you know, there are agents and there are regional directors and there are vice presidents and there's a president. It's a network. The reason that the president of the company makes as much money as he or she does is because they are running an organization. Okay. So what could you say to somebody now who is considering, you know, some sort of network marketing, multi-level marketing, how do you make sure it's legitimate and what's in the time we have here, you know, two or three things that you would have said to yourself back then that would help you get where you are now. Well, I, I'd heard all those things, too, about how bad it was. That's why I thought the company was going <laughs> to that was going to ruin the company. But the reality is, if products are moving or something of value gets bought and sold and that's how the the field is earning their money, then it's really no different than. Um, the sales team at Sears or any other retail store is just a sales team with a manager. Now, they don't call the managers managers in network marketing. We're upline, but I'm responsible for educating. Um, I'm responsible for recognition. I'm responsible for the same things that a management would do. So it really isn't. It's just a way to distribute products. Mm -hmm. So I think where it gets uh, icky is when companies don't have a product they're moving and they're just having a big giant sign-up fee that everybody's splitting. Then, then that then that's obviously not even legal. So you mm -hmm. want to look for a company that has a legitimate value. If it's not an item, a product, it has a big value on its own that people would buy whether or not 
it was a network marketing situation. And then look for what you're responsible for when you're in that. So it can't be like you get paid a whole bunch of money for doing nothing. Mm. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't don't listen to that part, right? Pretty so, good wisdom, right there. Yeah. Well, and, and you have to take responsibility for your part in this. You can't just sit there and say, "Well, it's network marketing. I'm going to get a whole bunch of money for not doing anything." Years on end, and and I don't look at it that way. I think uh, every single check that I get, what value did I bring to the company and my team members to justify that check? because I need to do that. I need to bring value to not just myself, but the team members and the company, if they're gonna to continue to pay me. So I, I'm not owed that money for doing nothing. And I think a lot of people get slipped up there. Well, yeah, and I mean, we've used the word value a lot in the show today. That's what we always come back to. Matter of fact, the tagline for the alignment show is living your values to value your life. You know, you're offering something of importance in some way to somebody to where what you have, they value more and then they give you money, which you value. You know, you're trading value for value. Um, so you so know, many I don't, that are scammy, you know, all, the value is only going one way. And, you know, I don't knock the people that um, go speaking for money or have books out or sell the tape sets because the reality is I think that. I help people that are not in my downline that I'm not going to earn on. Mm -hmm. And from early on, I realized that if I was going to do that freely, I was going to need to find a way to generate income to justify my time. Mm -hmm. So I do speak at events in charge. I do write books and sell them and now non-downline buy them. And I do that because it eats up a big giant chunk of my time to help people not in my downline. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I would rather be able to justify my time and provide uh, value as far as like for the book, the information in the book is valuable to the person buying it. So I'm not just selling them something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That that. So I don't I don't knock people who are doing those kind of things. I think it's necessary if you're going to help everybody and not just your downline. Yeah. I mean, I, and we just really want to emphasize that sales is a is a very honorable and necessary profession. People will sometimes look at it askance, but the root of the word sell is to serve. You know, come linguistically, it has roots in a word that means to serve. And so as as Jeff says, Lisa's mindset is why she's so successful. Everyone in direct sales or network marketing would do well to follow her. And folks, I want to hear I want you to hear what she's saying there. You know, it's, it's offering true value, uh, not like the hardware store, you know, just actual <laughs> actual value. And that comes through the books and the training and all that sort of thing. You know, in fact, if you gave it away for free, people probably would not value it as much. They wouldn't recognize its worth. So uh, a lot of it comes down to what's the motivation behind it. We can certainly see that with Lisa and Jeff and um, Bob Berg. I had put that up on the screen a little earlier. We're going to put it again. Bob Berg said, plain and simply, Lisa Wilbur is one of my real life action heroes. And and folks who listen to this program know how highly we we hold Bob Berg there. Well, before we run out of time, because I'm looking at the clock and realizing we're getting close to the end, um, 
want to mention these things that you have been involved in. Uh, you um, and Jeff West, yeah. co-author, said the lady with the blue hair. <laughs> and let me zoom in on you right there. Okay. And on my camera's backwards, but I bet people can read it. Uh, Award-winning business book, your business table. Okay. Yes. And let's also show here... This is your group on Facebook, the Blue Hair Brigade, and you guys really provide great value through this group. I mean, it's not just uh, pushing the book, although the book is huge value, okay? But you're, you're continuing to offer value here. In fact, folks, I want to be sure that, because uh, we're showing Facebook, uh, here is, I'm going to rearrange things here. Here <laughs> is how to find Lisa on Facebook. Did I put that... That's your YouTube channel. <laughs> I think that was the QR code, wasn't it, that we did? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay. So this is the easy way to get to Lisa on Facebook. It was this QR code. Uh, those of you who are saying QR code, I'm on audio. You know, we're going to have that link in the show notes. Okay. But if you're watching this on screen, this is the easy way to connect with Lisa. And um, we just showed the Facebook group. Blue Hair Brigade, all kinds of ways to get in touch with Lisa. In fact, one of the best things to know about her is that she does things. It's kind of a newfangled, old-fangled sort of thing. She just says, text her, and there's the phone number, folks. For those of you on audio only, it's 603-345-9466. And Lisa, what would somebody be texting you about? No, that I, in any given day, it could be anything. You just yeah, never yeah. know, do you? <laughs> so it could, could be Avon. It could be uh, looking for advice. could be trying to hire you as a speaker. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and this is not uh, the only book that you have out there. I'm going to turn over here. Uh, latest book is Said the Lady with the Blue Hair, but she also has an anthology book coming out this year entitled The Entrepreneur Mindset, Inspirational Stories of Successful Leaders Solving Problems. Okay. And I just have to mention this one. Let's get the text thing off of the screen there. Uh, when I asked her, uh, what is your latest project? And, you know, people will tell me about their business projects, and that's great. You know, that's a lot of what we're about here. But Lisa told me that my latest project, we are in the beginning stages of the third play for our community theater group, of which I serve as a producer. You know, it's not all about making money, although, folks, making money is important. But as our <laughs> mentor Bob Berg says, uh, money is like the thunder to the lightning of value and service. It's, it's a great question to ask. How do we make money? It's just not a great first question. <laughs> and so, Lisa, tell us a little bit about that uh, theater project there. Well, and actually, I didn't set out to be a producer. I wasn't even interested in the theater. <laughs> but I happened to own the property where the Pine Tree Riot happened, which is a Revolutionary War skirmish. And uh, the 250th anniversary was a couple years ago. And they were looking for a, a centerpiece event on that day that they had the big uh, celebration. And I actually suggested a play. And... Um, because my kid had just been in one and it just popped in my head. Uh, I didn't realize I was volunteering to be the producer, but hey, 
<laughs> but and I have learned so much. Uh, we just happened to have a gentleman that moved back to our town that used to that um, graduated from our high school, that was a art director on TV shows such as Seinfeld, that wanted to direct a play in town. And he happened to call me, and uh, it's been such a absolute honor being able to work with him because to learn from someone, uh, it doesn't have to be in my category for that to be a learning experience, but to watch him be a leader of of a cast has been a privilege. I mean, he's a unbelievable man to watch work. So. Well, and what what I'm hearing from everything, because I'm always looking for what are the common threads, you know. I hear a passion for what you're doing. You know, the, the money comes, but the money is an effect. You know, you're offering value with everything you do, whether it is selling Avon, whether it's mentoring other people, whether it's speaking, whether it's writing a book, and now whether it's this play, you know, I mean, what, what is, and real quick, because we're running short of time, what does a producer do versus what a director does? Or something? Well, <laughs> I didn't know that either, right? A uh, producer, it's funny because uh, what Kenny needed, Kenny uh, is the producer, I mean, the, the director, um, what Kenny really needed was an assistant. So um, I, I had been a secretary before. He used to have a secretary when he worked in New York on these TV shows. He needed someone that could assist him. And that was a hard pill for me to swallow, by the way. I had to keep my little ego in check because I hadn't been somebody else's assistant for good 30 years right but I knew I knew that job and I knew he needed someone to do that job so when I I was assisting him he said you know what you're doing is like being a producer so I'm like okay I'll be the producer then <laughs> so I I produce stuff that he needs so he tells us the vision and we try to produce what his vision is um, but that that's basically what it is being the assistant for the director and to write checks. <laughs> okay, okay. And I can see where after 40 years, 20 years, however you look at it, assistant. But this is a different, so this is an assistant to the heart. So. Well, no, it was assistant, but I'm learning more than anybody else in that, I think. Oh, the learning, um, yeah. Yeah, right. I'm learning, learning to keep my ego in check, for starters, because I'm not the main show in that situation. I'm just helping the main guy. And to watch him be a leader, I, I'm better at my job because of that. I mean, mm -hmm. he is unbelievable. I don't even know how to express that. He's just as that good. His name is Kenny Cahill, if you want to uh, Google search him, but he's just an unbelievable man to watch be a leader. Mm -hmm. Just great insights all the way around. Want to share a couple of other comments here. Kathy Tejanel again saying, said the lady with the blue hair is a fabulous book, heartwarming story filled with wisdom. And I would agree with that. One of the great things about business fables is they're just good stories. And then they use that story to help make um, principles of life. Uh, actionable and memorable. So I would agree with that. Uh, and then Bob is giving us the actual quote here. Money is an echo of value. Or Kathy is giving us the actual quote from Bob and John David Mann. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning. That could very easily be a uh, motto of this show. One more comment from Kathy. I love how Lisa continues to learn. 
very inspiring, even if you did start in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, well, we are coming to an end of our time, uh, Lisa. I do like to wind up by asking, is there any question that you wish that I had asked that I didn't? And if so, what would your answer be? I don't know. Um, I I did want, I think I just said Kenny's name wrong. So let me say that in case I did. But it's K Hall, C A H A L L, K Hall, Kenny K Hall. Um, I don't know. I think uh, the entrepreneurial part, um, it's not that I wish you'd ask me about that, but that I kind of that part. Um, When I was just doing Avon, a lot of people just do that one thing. I always looked for opportunities to bring in money on the side is why I was doing the speaking and the book. And I think it's um, my mindset of uh, if it's going to produce income and be a good justification of my time, I want to say yes to it. And I'm glad that I've said yes to a lot of things, including the blue hair book with Jeff West. I'm glad that when he came to me, I didn't say, well, you know what? I don't want to do a book or I'm not thinking of a book or because I didn't have a book on my radar. I'm glad I said yes. It's one of those things that um, I'm glad I all along tried to say yes to income producing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's not always easy to do that, especially on a book project like this. I knew it would take a lot of time and over a long time. And I knew it would, and it has, but it's been so worth it. I mean, it's been a life changing thing. So I'm just. Well, I've, heard glad you, you, I've heard you say that a few times. You, you wrote, you helped write a book to help change other people's lives but the process of writing the book changed your life the most yeah yeah, yeah that's it's been it's mind-blowing i don't even know how to right i'm a different person i i didn't know you before either well that's true yeah yeah, yeah I mean, most of the yeah most of the go-givers i didn't know before but i was a lot different of a person and i think it's uh all of you guys rubbed off on me <laughs> right i don't know a little pieces of everybody that i met there uh came together and changed me as a person and i'm glad of it i'm i'm i think i'm a better person i think i'm a better business person too not just a human being i'm a better business person so it's yeah it's been a great experience and i'm so glad i said yes oh yeah yeah and and we'll we're going to be having jeff on again for a future show as well um we didn't get the two of you on at the same time i kind of wish that we had because then we could play the make jeff blush game (laughs) he has a blush o meter (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll have to talk to him about that well and we we're over time at this point lisa so hang around for just a second in the green room so i can thank you properly just want to let folks uh, know and thank you so much for being here with thank us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back with you. So, folks, coming up next week, we have uh, a guest that I'm getting to know. His name is Dr. Keith McNally. He is a leadership coach specializing in facilitating discussions by bringing like minded people together to create real impact. He does podcasts, uh, he's seeking to change the conversation. Uh, reduce the stigma around the conversation of mental health and personal well-being. So we're looking forward to to that next week. Put it on your calendar. Now, we are going to the 1st of December. So here we are at the end of October throughout November. We will still be here on Wednesday mornings, but December 1st, we are moving to Friday mornings for the Alignment Show. So you want to make sure and keep 
track of us. But in any case, we look forward to having you back again next week for conversations that can change lives, helping you to live your values and value your life. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.